you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Again, my name is Jeff Scott, and I am the associate pastor with Youth, Youth Emphasis. And so I've been on staff for two weeks now, and it's been great. The staff has been wonderful, and I just appreciate the way that they've welcomed me in. And of course, uh, all of the, the, the church families just welcome me in, and my family as well, and so we really appreciate it, and I consider it an honor and a privilege to serve with you, to serve you um, in this church, and it is certainly a blessing. Before I get too far into it, I do want to uh, highlight these uh, cards. Please sure, be sure and grab a few of these cards on the way out, uh, as these are a reminder to, uh, inv- or invites to the Easter service. And if you're like me, and I know you guys are, you want to take as many people to heaven with you as possible, right? This is a way to hand these out, invite people to come to the Easter service so that they can hear the gospel and maybe uh, just maybe meet Jesus and have a changed life forever, right? And so take the opportunity. I like what Roger said last week. If you do give it out at a restaurant, be very generous, all right? That's important. Um, and so uh, uh, anyway, be sure and uh, get some of these on the way out and pray about who you can hand them to. So I like young people. I like working with young people. Uh, kids are especially funny because they always say the craziest things sometimes. Um, but uh, I, I come across a list of letters to pastor from kids, and I thought I'd share some of them with you this morning as we get started. Stephen, age eight, says, Dear Pastor, I would like to go to heaven someday because I know my brother won't be there. (laughs) That's good. Uh, Arnold, age seven, Dear Pastor, I know God loves everybody, but he never met my sister. So uh, clearly there's some siblings there, right? Uh, Laureen, age nine, Dear Pastor, I think a lot more people would come to your church if you moved it to Disneyland. Hey, come on, let's sing it outside the box, man. You know what I'm saying? So people, it's it's just being missionary-minded there. Uh, Alexander, age 10, Dear Pastor, please say a prayer for our Little League team. We need God's help or a new pitcher. So it's either one, you know, God's help or new picture, whichever comes first, right? Finally, Ralph, age 11, says, Dear Pastor, I liked your sermon on Sunday, especially when it was finished. <laughs> it's, of course, love the honesty. I get that from adults, too, so <laughs> either way. But uh, I'm, I'm so privileged to be with you this morning, to share with you, and so I appreciate you uh, uh, during this season. But let's read Luke chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 15. Luke chapter 18 Starting in verse 15, it says this, People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called to the children and called the children and said, I'm sorry, but Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of your word, and I just pray that this word would take root in our, and bear fruit in our lives this morning as we've humbled ourselves before you to honor you, to praise you. Lord, we're hungry and we're thirsty, and so we ask that you would speak into our hearts today and that you would be glorified in this time. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, I like young people, like working with young people, and that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about young people today, specifically how Jesus felt about young people, and the fact is, is Jesus loved young people. We're going to look at it three ways. We're going to see an example, a warning, and then we'll finish up with a principle. But let's get started with the example, and I would say the example is this. Follow the example of the parents in this passage and bring your children to Jesus. Follow the example of the parents in this passage and bring them to Jesus. Listen, folks, it just the truth is, 
as parents, we have this huge responsibility, and that's to make sure that our, cheer, uh, that our children hear about God's love and about his plan for their life and about eternal life, salvation that comes through faith in Jesus. That's a God-given responsibility that we have. God has placed that responsibility on us as parents to make sure we explain God's love to them. Now, I was fortunate. I know not everybody gets to grow up like this, but I was fortunate. I grew up at a home with, I had parents that loved God and loved me, and they took me to church every Sunday. Uh, as uh, Brother Roger said before, I had the drug problem. I was drugged to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Probably some of you could identify with that, right? So anyway, I can remember some of my earliest memories are sitting on my mom's lap in church. We were at a church here in Union, and uh, we were singing worship choruses. We used to call them choruses back in the day. I guess that was the contemporary worship of its day. And this was been in the mid-late 70s, so it must have been pretty radical at that point for churches to be singing choruses, as I think about that. Either way, the fact is, I still remember them choruses to this day. I still think about them songs periodically. When I'm going about my day, all of a sudden, those songs will come into my mind. I'm just saying, when we bring young people to church and to worship, it, it, it sits in them. It, they, they just, they're like little sponges, and they soak all of these things in. And that's why we need to take advantage of every opportunity we have to bring our children so that they can worship and hear from the Lord. Now, if you're like me, <laughs> I wasn't always the best of children, especially when I was sitting in church. A lot of churches that we went to, we didn't necessarily have the opportunities to have children's church and those things. This church, we have Robin, and Robin is amazing, and all the people that help Robin are amazing. And so we clapped for her the first or the other service. So let's just give Robin a hand. She, she's not even in here, but I'm telling you what, it is a privilege to work with her. And she has a, she's surrounded by some great people that pour into those young students. And so we get to have children's church. When I was growing up, we didn't really have that. And so everybody sat in in what we'll call big church, right? And uh, from time to time, I would get a little anxious and a little, you know, uh, restless. It was, you know, as the preacher went on and on, which the preacher was my dad. As the preacher went on and on, I would get a little. And so I would get a little rambunctious, and mom would have to grab me by the hand and take me out the back door. And of course, you know what that meant. We were having a come to Jesus meeting, right? If you grew up in church, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But the one thing was mom wanted to impress, impress upon me was she was like, listen, we want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to hear the gospel. We want to make sure everybody has the opportunity to hear from God today. And that's why I'm doing this. Now, the worst part was, is I would get in trouble then. Dad was a preacher. He'd find out when I got home. And he would, uh, he would do what I heard one person say, take the board of education to the seat of my learning. Right? And so, and again, I just joke. It's because they just love people. And they wanted people to come to faith in Jesus. Um, speaking of that, I, we had some friends... It's many years ago now. They had a son, and uh, we were all at church together. And one time, he's about four or five years old. He's getting a little rambunctious, you know, kind of like what I was talking about. And mom was just the most patient person I've ever met, just kind hard, just sweet. And so finally, she had enough. And so she grabs him by the hand, and they go walking out the aisle. They get just about to the back door, and uh, all of a sudden, this little four or five-year-old boy says, please pray for me, <laughs> yells it out. And the, middle, the preacher stops preaching. The church, it just, you know, it's right in the middle. She's like, how was I supposed to get on to him after that? You know, say like, even this kid knew the power of prayer. And so he was, he was requesting that. The thing is this, the greatest thing we can do is pour in our children and leave them a legacy of faith. 
right? A spiritual heritage, so to speak. It's great to leave uh, things and resources for our children, but the greatest thing we can leave of all is a legacy of faith. Patrick Henry, you all may know who that is, a great American patriot. Um, he was the most, one of the famous quotes, give me liberty or give me death. You ever heard that quote before? That was him. This is what he wrote in his last will and testament to be read to his family after he was gone. This is what he wrote. He said, I have now disposed of all my property to my family. There is one more thing I wish I could give them, and that is the Christian faith. If they had that, and I had not given them one shilling, they would have been rich. And if they had not that, and I had given them all the world, they would be poor. Like he understood the greatest gift that he could give his children was not wealth, but a relationship with Jesus. And that's the truth. It still holds true to this day. When I got promoted, I've told you my story a little bit. I got promoted to the district manager. Um, I, was, I was proud of the work that I had accomplished. I worked hard. And one day I was on the phone with dad, and I felt that he needed to be reminded of how proud he should be of his children. That's really, that's really, so literally, I know this is awful. You guys would never do anything like this, right? But anyway, I was on the phone with my dad, and I said, dad, I mean, you know, you, you know, you're, you know you're, you're children. We've all, we all work hard, and, and obviously I was emphasizing me, but I brought all of us into it. Um, you know, we've worked hard, and we're successful, and he says, no. He says, you all know Jesus, and you're all serving him. And I thought, point taken. Because that's the truth. No matter what level of success, all of those things are temporary. What is eternal is a relationship with Jesus. And that was passed down to me. And we need to in turn pass that down to others. Now, maybe you're here, your children are grown, maybe you have grandkids, great-grandkids, I don't know, but maybe uh, you didn't have the same opportunities that some families have, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, wherever your children are, wherever your grandchildren are, don't stop praying for them, okay? Whether they're in church today or not, whether they're serving the Lord or not, don't stop praying for them. I went to church with a lady, and she was just a, a sweet lady. And she was one of those ladies that when she walked in the door, she was always smiling, always positive and upbeat. Just I always liked it when she came in. And she was just a, just a bright light, right? And uh, the thing was, though, is she, at the time, she was really going through some terrible things. Her daughter had passed away. Um, uh, and her only daughter had passed away. And she had a couple of grandkids. And one of them, as he got to be about 18, 19, I think it was, he got caught up in drugs. And it is the typical story whenever I say that. You know what I'm saying? His dad had to kick him out because, you know, he was taken from his dad to have money for drugs and do all those things. Terrible story. Well, Grandma is the most kind-hearted lady. She can't bear the thought of her grandson living on the street or any of those type things, and so she wants to help out. And she comes, and we pray, and we, she just pours out tears. And, and finally, she invites her grandson to come live with her. And, 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 of course, you probably know what happens, right? He starts stealing money from her to pay for drugs, and, and, and stealing other things too. Eventually, he steals some guns. And she comes to me, and we just pray, and we cry together. And she knows what she needs to do. And so she goes to the police station, and she turns her grandson in, files a police report. Uh, sometime later, they finally, they pick him up, right? And, and he gets thrown in jail. And by the grace of God, there was a minister in the area. It may have been somebody from this church. I don't know. I just learned today that this church, there's a, a few men that go to the jail in Franklin County a couple of times a month, to share the gospel with, those pre with the people in jail. And so I don't know exactly who it was, but they took the moment to share the gospel with this young man. And in that moment, he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. 
Now, I don't know the statistics of how many people get saved in jail. They may be kind of high, but how many of them stick with it afterwards? I don't know. But I know in this moment, this young man's life was forever changed by the gospel. And God got a hold of him, and he set him free from that bondage of drug and alcohol addiction. And he's still clean to this day. I believe God's got to put a calling on this young man's life to speak to his generation and talk about things that he went through and how Jesus set him free. It's all because grandma never gave up. She prayed and she prayed and she prayed, sometimes through tears. And so that's what we need to do. It's never too late. As long as there's breath in the lungs, there's always hope because God is the God of the impossible. Secondly, we're going to look at the warning, and that is this. Don't hinder a child who is seeking God. This is a warning for all of us. Don't hinder a child who is seeking God. In this passage, um, I'm sorry, in Mark's account of this passage, um, they use the word indignant, that Jesus became indignant. Now, this word essentially means Jesus was very angry. And I say that because this is the exact same word that was used when Jesus went into the temple and turned over the tables and chased the money changers out. It's the same word. So I'm guessing if there were tables there, Jesus would have started flipping tables saying, don't hinder the children from coming to me. Like he was really frustrated with his disciples in this moment because Jesus knows how important it is that they come to him. It happens. I've seen it. Um, We're uh, my dad was a pastor and, and did VBS. I was about 10 years old. One of my buddies from school came, and I was excited because, you know, here's a buddy from school, and he's coming to church, and I was excited for him. And that day, my dad presented the, the gospel, and, and this young man decided he wanted to make a profession of faith. And so after vacation Bible school, this is when we still had it during the day, after vacation Bible school, we went to this, my buddy's house, and my dad explained to his, his dad what was happening and what decision he was wanting to make. And that young man's dad looked over, my buddy's dad looked over at his, at his son and says, I just don't think you know what you're doing. He said, I, I don't think you understand it. You're too young to understand. I think you just need to wait and just do it when you get older. This day, my buddy is not in church and not serving the Lord. And so, folks, that's not what we want to do. We want to encourage young people to come to faith in Jesus, to encourage them to follow him. The fact of the matter is, is most child care professionals, right, they understand that children have this what they call a window of learning, okay? So uh, there's certain window of time where children need to learn certain things in order to excel at those things all their life. For instance, just in learning to talk and learning to walk uh, as they get a little older, learning ABCs, reading and writing, all those things. There's certain windows to which if children learn in those windows, they will achieve their full potential. But if they don't learn those basics in those windows, they'll never achieve their full potential. I'm not saying they will never read or write or any of those things that, you know, they can still learn, but they'll never achieve their full potential. This is a serious thing right now with COVID and what happened with uh, gener- this generation of young people. Some of them, that window was there and it's closed. And so we need to pray for our educators and our education system and those things. But either way, I bring this up because the same is true spiritually. There are certain teachable moments, so, so to speak, that for, for children to learn about Jesus. And if we miss those windows, they may never, first off, meet Jesus. Or if they do, they may never achieve their full spiritual potential, if you want to call it that way. To illustrate this, let's just, I'll just say about this. I look at a lot of statistics and surveys and these type things, and come to find out, uh, out of all the professing Christians that go to church today, 
um, roughly 80 to 85% of them came to faith in Jesus before the age of 18. That's a huge percentage, right? 80 to 85% of professing Christians today came to faith in Jesus before the age of 18. Now, when you go from 18 to 35, that age bracket, the numbers drop off. It's about one in 10,000 will come to faith in Jesus. You get over 35 and the number drops even more, even more it's about one in 50,000 will come to faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, it's significant. You see that there is a window. Well, I kind of wanted to do my own little survey today, so I hope you'd humor me a little bit, all right? But I have a question. If you, let's just take our own little survey. If you came to faith in Jesus before the age of 18, okay, before the age of 18, you profess faith in Jesus and were baptized, please raise your hand, right? Before the age of 18. So quite a few hands up. Okay, thank you. If you came to faith in Jesus between the ages of 18 and 35, Will you raise your hand? Between the ages of 18 and 35. Okay, still some hands. All right. If you came to faith in Jesus after the age of 35, after the age of 35, will you raise your hand? All right, still a few. I think there's a pretty good cross-section of people here at our church, right? But a large majority of us came to faith in Jesus before the age of 18. Obviously, nothing is impossible with God. I've prayed with people literally on their deathbed. 70, 80 years old, and they profess faith in Jesus. And I know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, they met Jesus that day. So nothing is impossible. I'm just saying it's important that as as, as parents, but also as a church, that we encourage young people and we help them and we model for them what it looks like to live for Jesus every day so that they see something that's real. Now, I love to read stories or hear stories of how people came to faith in Jesus. I want to share with a couple of them with you. This one's from a long, long time ago, but there was a young boy. He was 10 years old. He grew up in a, a town in New Jersey across the river from New York City, okay? And um, he wanted to go to church for whatever reason. Maybe he was curious. His parents didn't go to church, They didn't take him to church. They didn't even encourage him to go to church. Just one day, he decided to go down to this little community church and go visit him. So he went down there. The weather was terrible, rain and snow, terrible weather. Kind of find out it was only him and the preacher that showed up that day, right? So this little 10-year-old boy and the preacher were the only ones who showed up to worship that day. Well, to this preacher's credit, right? Now, if, if I'm going to be honest with you. If it had been me, I would have said, I'd have been like, you know what, son, it's just me and you. Let's pray. I'll take you home, okay? But to this preacher's credit, that young man said that preacher preached like, it was the, like the church was full to capacity. <laughs> and so he delivered the message that God had given him that day. And then at the end of the service, he came down, and he put the offering plate in front of the young boy. The little boy put a little, whatever he had in the offering plate. And then this pastor prayed over that young boy. And in that moment, that, God, that young boy says, I knew God was real. I knew that this man's God was real. And I, gave my, I placed my faith in his God in that moment. That young man was a guy by the name of Cecil B. DeMille, right? So some of you are like, who is that? Uh, basically, he was like one of the original people of the motion picture industry. Like he invented the, uh, the, uh, the blockbuster movies, right? You know, these big, big, massive movies. He created that thing. Those were his ideas, like the Ten Commandments, the King of Kings, the sign of the cross, movies of faith that were presented around the country and even around the world to that generation, impacting his generation, all because that preacher was faithful to delivering the message and demonstrate God's love to him. 
There's also a guy by the name of Howard Hendricks. You may not know who he is, but he was a professor of theology and, and, and religious studies at Dallas Theological Seminary. Now, this seminary is a prestigious seminary. A lot of the who's who of pastors have gone and graduated from this seminary. And, and Howard Hendricks, as a teacher, but also as a mentor, he poured into a lot of these, these people that you might know. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, uh, David Jeremiah, uh, Tony Evans. Uh, the list goes on. Chip Ingram, Dr. Ro- uh, Robert Jeffers down at First Baptist Church in Dallas. He mentored and taught these men. Well, Howard Hendricks came from a broken home. His mom and dad, they were a mess. They were divorced. He even said, you know, if he'd have stayed at his mom and dad's house or whatever it was, he said that uh, he could have grew up, never heard a word about Jesus, and went to hell, and no one would have even cared. But somehow, some way, uh, he, he had to go live with his grandparents. His grandparents, they weren't churchgoers either. But there was a, they lived in a, a community in Philadelphia. And in that community was a small little country, or a small little church, community church, that decided they wanted to reach their community for Christ. And so there was a, specifically a guy by the name of Walt. Walt was a middle-aged man, six foot, four inches tall, and he worked, as a, worked at the tool and die shop, had nothing more than a sixth grade education, but he knew the Lord had put in his heart to reach boys in that city community. And so he went out to do that very thing. And so uh, he came to Howard, and Howard was playing marbles, and, and Walt says, hey, son, would you like to come to Sunday school? And Howard said, anything involving the word school, I want no part of it. <laughs> but then this big, middle-aged, six-foot-four tall man got down and played marbles with Walt. And he said, in that moment, he won my heart. Right? He, 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 he's like, okay, I'll go to Sunday school. <laughs> kind of find out there's another uh, 12 other boys, so 13 boys total went to Walt's Sunday school class. Remember, this guy had no more than a sixth grade education, but he loved Jesus and he loved boys, and he poured into those boys. And out of that class of 13, 11 of them went into full-time ministry in Christian education. I mean, you talk about being faithful to the Lord. And then, think about Howard Hendricks, how he poured into the names I mentioned, but thousands of other men, and how they have preached the gospel literally around the world. And it started with Walt... Six foot four, middle-aged man, worked at a tool and die shop, right? No more than a sixth grade education because he followed the obedience of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us so that we don't hinder this generation from coming to faith in Jesus. All right, finally, there's the principle, and that is this. You must relate to God as a child, okay? The principle is you must relate to God as a child. On, in verse 17, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Now, you all understand this. But everything Jesus spoke was the truth, okay? Like, he never lied. He never said a word amiss. He didn't misspeak. Or Jesus always spoke the truth. So for him to say, I tell you the truth, means that there's emphasis placed on it. And we need to sit and take notice. Anyway, he says this. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That's pretty serious. What does he mean by that? Well, ultimately, I just think he means, look, if you look at children, one of the things about children is that they just completely trust their parents. They have this this simple trust or, quote-unquote, faith in their parents to provide for them. It's like they don't even question it, right? They just completely trust their parents to provide for them everything that they need, everything that's necessary. And one thing about children, they bring nothing to the table, right? They don't go out and work and earn money to help pay the bills or do any of those things, parents have to provide them with everything they need. And so I think it's the same with salvation, right? 
We just have to simply trust Jesus with our life. We, we don't bring anything to the table, right? We, there's no good work that we can do. There's no acts of righteousness, hoops that we can jump through. We just simply have to come to Jesus and say, uh, I, just, I give my life to you. I trust you completely. We have to swallow our pride, so to speak, acknowledge we're sinners, and give our lives to him. Now, if you're here and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, I want to invite you to do that today. The first thing you have to do is admit you're a sinner. I think everybody understands that, that they're sinners. I've talked to a lot of people about Jesus and gave them an opportunity. And there was only one time one person said to me, after I said, well, we're all sinners, he says, anybody calls me a bad person, I'll punch them in the mouth, right? I said, okay, I'll let you go with that one. The fact of the matter is all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory, and every single one of us need Jesus. So if you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, that offer is given to you today. Jesus wants to save you from your sins and from an eternity separated from him. Well, I think about the young people of this generation and, and what an awesome privilege it is to serve them and to, to lead them. I, um, <clears throat> I, 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 Bob and I talked about this last year, a little bit here, not that long ago. I, I really think that this generation that we're seeing grow up could be the generation that takes the gospel to the ends of the earth, so to speak, right? That, that delivers the gospel to the nations. Now, one thing, I, the reason I say it that way is because Jesus says when the, when the gospel is preached to the nations, then the end will come. And I have a tendency to believe, look at what I, knowing what I understand about the book of Revelation, about the book of Daniel, not that I'm that smart and not that I'm for sure not a prophet. I just look at the signs of the times and the seasons going on. And I think the end, or the return of Jesus has to be pretty near, pretty close, I guess is my point, right? And so, I mean, we're living in perilous times and, and all these things are beginning to happen. Things are falling into place that we know are a part of the end. And so I think about this generation, I think this very well could be the generation that God raises up to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth, to the, to the nations. I'm reminded in Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he's preaching to, you know, he's filled with the Spirit, and God enables him to preach this, this message to the people there on that day. And he quotes an Old Testament book of Joel, and he quotes a specific passage, passage and this is what he says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. So, now, the last days started <laughs> then, all right? So, we've been living in the last days for the past 2,000 years. I just happen to think we're in the last days of the last days, okay? And I guess I just see God pouring out his spirit on young people, our sons and our daughters, will proclaim his love to the nations. And so we get the opportunity as parents and as uh, seasoned folks in the church, we get the opportunity to shepherd them and to pour into them, to demonstrate what it looks like to love Jesus with your whole heart, to help equip them for the work that God has placed upon, their, uh, upon them to do. And we get to help them do that. And I believe, I genuinely believe, God's spirit is being poured out on this generation of young people they may carry the gospel. That's a prayer of mine, by the way. I pray every day that God would, would raise up this generation to speak to their generation of his great love. 
Speaking of that, this might be kind of awkward. I know that kids love this. But what I'm going to do is, if you're under the age of 18, okay, anybody under the age of 18, if you would stand up for me, please. They're going to love this, by the way. They, there's nothing more than kids love to be called out in the, in the sanctuary. Anyway, if you're under the age of 18, please stand up, all right? So I'm not going to make you do anything. But, all right, yes, we, we all wish, that's right, we all wish, right, if only. <laughs> so what I want to do is I just want to say a prayer over you right now. That's all I want to do, okay? So let, let's pray for these young people. God, I just give you praise. And I thank you for this opportunity to come before you and to lift up to you these young people. God, I pray that you would just bless their lives. I pray that your spirit would be upon them, that you would raise them up to speak to their generation of your love that you would protect them and lead them not into temptation, but deliver them from the evil one who wants to destroy them. So Father, may your will be done in their lives, and may they love you every day of their life for the rest of their lives, bringing glory to you and building your kingdom. Thank you for this opportunity today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can sit down. So um, it it is a privilege to serve. And I think about guys like Walt and some of the other ones I told you the stories about All of us in this room have an opportunity, I would say even a calling, right, to serve. And so maybe it is to serve the youth. I think about all the the folks that we have down there that are willing to jump in and help out. They are great. I mean, I'm blown away by the the, the workers who jump in and want to help out and do whatever they can do to help those young people. That's awesome, right? But let's just say God pours out his spirit and we have 300 young people. What's going to happen? We're going to need more workers, right? It says old men will dream dreams. So, but my point is this, we're going to need workers. I think about Robin and the work that they're doing. I know there's a lot of great help there. But again, we never know what God's going to do. We may need more workers. And then for the nursery, I, I mean, what a ministry that is. For, for, a, for a family, a young family to come in and to have a place that they know is safe and for their child and they can entrust their child while they come and they hear the gospel or hear the truth. And so maybe God has put it on your heart to serve. Maybe he's leading you in that direction. I would say step out in faith. Take the opportunity that God has given you to pour into this generation of young people that they may hear the gospel, be saved, make professions of faith, and serve him all the days of their life, carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth. One other thing I want to do um, and Ro- I saw Roger do this a long time ago, <laughs> and you guys have seen, obviously, Roger likes to do little crazy things sometimes, and probably not tell you anything you don't know, but um, <clears throat> one thing that I saw him do was he would take something, and he would make sure everybody got a copy, right, and he would say, do this over the next 30 days. What I have here is a card, and it says Realm Students, and that's kind of the, the, na- the name of our youth group, if you want to call it that, but it has to do with, um, uh, we're citizens of the kingdom, right? And Jesus is the ruler over the realm or the kingdom. And so we're realm students. And as, as believers, we are citizens of his kingdom. And so that's where we got the name realm students. And, and I don't remember exactly who came up with it, but I thought it was great. And so we had some cards down there, and I kind of cut them up. And I put them back there. And on your way out today, please pick up one of these cards and take it home with you and put it somewhere where you'll see it for the next 30 days that you'll be reminded every day to pray for this generation of young people, that they would love God with their whole heart, that he would give them wisdom, that he would protect them, and that he would raise them up to speak to their generation about his love. Will you do that for me today?